0: I love that song. Uh, Really, my heart's desire for this morning that each and every one of us would hear our name and know that we are called out of the grave. Salvation is for all, and it's given to us freely, and we want you to know the truth of that this morning. Uh, I'm Pastor Corby. I'm the youth pastor here. Welcome if you're here visiting with us this morning. We're glad you're here. I hope you feel like you're part of the family this morning. Uh, I get to spend a lot of time uh, with the high school students, and I love that, and and usually when I'm on stage here, I usually bring something with me, a visual, and this morning I brought Fabio with me. Uh, Fabio is representing the different part, different people we're talking about this morning, uh, and, and this Ryan's, uh, Ryan said that he flipped the lights on, I think this morning, uh, and was a little startled by Fabio, uh, and, and didn't realize he had a sword too, so that was... Uh, it is interesting, but uh, yeah, the sword's here, uh, just as an illustration, hopefully uh, it doesn't scare anyone this morning. Uh, but it's good to be here, love worshiping with you, and, and excited to share what the Holy Spirit's prepared for this morning. How many of you enjoy watching people? Raise your hand. You like watching people, observing them? Maybe you're like this guy on the screen, All right? Real stealth mode. Right, All dressed in black, your binoculars. and your, you know. So we watch people in a lot of different ways, don't we? Maybe we sit at a, sit at a dog park and watch uh, owners walk their dogs and compare the dog and the human and say they look so much alike. Or uh, maybe you sit at a mall and, and you're watching just people and you're hearing, hearing them conversations. Or, or some of us, maybe we just sit on our phones and scroll social media platforms and watch them there. There's many different pe- ways we can watch people. Uh, over the course of the last month or so, i have been watching this this guy in Mannheim. Uh, he's been walking around town. Maybe I'm sure some of you have seen him because uh, he he's random places all over Mannheim. Uh, and, and I've been watching him and just curious about who he was and what his story was and, and, and why is he walking all the time. Sometimes he's carrying a lunchbox, sometimes he's not. It, it, random different things. And about a week and a half ago, uh, it was on Taco Tuesday, uh, Jen was here working and setting up and she had gone and, and, and left and was going to leave and pick something up. And, but later that evening she, she said to me, she was like, have you seen that guy walking around town? I was like, yeah, I've been watching him. Uh, she was like, I had too. Uh, she's like, today I was leaving the church parking lot and he was walking down the sidewalk. And, and so she stopped the car. She's like, I got to at least say, see who this guy is. Uh, so she parked and prevented him from walking through. Uh, <laughs> stopped him, right? Uh, so uh, said, hey, how are you? And, and found his name. His name's Paul. Uh, he usually, he has a white beard. I'm, uh, seriously, I'm sure you've seen him. Uh, uh, his name's Paul. He works at F&M College in the research department, entering phones. Uh, and, and he had heard on a radio uh, that it's important for individuals to walk a certain amount of steps every day. And so he had decided that because of this, what he heard on the radio, that he's going to walk every day, start from his house. I don't, even, I don't know where he lives. I, uh, start from his house, walk an hour and a half in one direction, turn around and walk back home. So three hours this is quite the commitment this guy's got. Uh, uh, I think he's going to be pretty fit by the end of six or months or a, a year. But, but So that's, that's what we know about Paul. Uh, not a whole lot, we know a little bit of the story, but we know uh, that I, I feel like I can like, pray for him a little bit and, and kind of know if I see him again. Uh, we actually saw him walking by on our street last night. He didn't have his hat on, so I, was, I didn't think it was him at first, uh, but uh, it was him. And, and so just if you see Paul, pray for him and, and pray that he knows the love of Jesus Christ as well, uh, if he doesn't already. Uh, but the interesting thing about watching people is that for me and and Paul and for you and anyone else you watch, that oftentimes if you don't have a conversation with them, you're going to start forming stories in your mind, right? You you start to think about well, what's this person doing? Why why do they do this? Why did they get that tattoo? Or why did they dress that way? Or why do they talk that way? Why do they act that way? And if we're not careful, we can begin to filter them through a whole list of do's and don'ts and expectations and qualifications and detours and all these things. And before you know it, they're either in or they're out, right? They're either a part of the, uh, the family of God or not, and either they have to do all these things in order to get there, and we, we all of a sudden uh, begin to create these boundaries, and, and I think based upon what we read this morning in, in Acts chapter 16, and what I see Paul doing, uh, the, uh, the apostle Paul doing in scripture is that he's seeing people in a different way. I believe he, he is a fantastic people watcher. He's able to watch people and, and see them, see through the exteriors uh, to the heart and recognize that each individual he has a conversation with needs the, the love of Christ and wants, needs to hear the gospel. Uh, And so this morning as we jump into Acts 16, we are coming off of Acts 15, which Dustin shared about last week, uh, and this pivotal decision that was made uh, at the Jerusalem Council where uh, they decide that it's no longer going to have detours or things in place to prevent the Gentiles from coming and following Jesus. And, And then we see the start of the second missionary journey, which we start this morning. In chapter 16, the start of the second missionary journey, uh, Paul and Silas and his companions go, and they, they bring together uh, a few individuals that we probably wouldn't typically choose to start a church. Uh, but Paul sees the value in their lives and brings them together and provides salvation for them. I think what we learn this morning in the as we read is that Jesus meets us where we're at and provides salvation for all. Uh, before we read God's word this morning, I want to say a word of prayer, so would you join me in prayer? Father, we gather here this morning and we're grateful, one, for the freedom to do so, uh, to be here and to sing songs of praise to you and, and to be reminded of uh, the gloriousness of, uh, of, of your power and and how awesome you are in in pulling us from the grave and setting us free. God, I ask that through the power of the Holy Spirit, as you move through this room this morning, that we would be encouraged, we would be challenged, we would be uh, tugged at the heart in some way, in order to see people in a different way, and to to observe people in a different way, and be willing to answer the question, uh, what must I do to be saved But if we're here this morning and we're we're not there yet, that we would recognize and know that your love is for all, and that you provide salvation uh, through belief in Jesus Christ. God, you are good, uh, you're magnificent, and we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you have your Bible, you can follow along, or it's on the screen. We'll be starting in Acts 16, verse 13, uh, where Paul and Silas come into Philippi. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside of the city to a riverbank. where We thought people would be meeting for prayer. We sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth, who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home, and she urged us until we agreed. We see Paul and Silas and his companions, they come to Philippi, as we, as we know, to begin this second missionary journey. Upon arriving in Philippi, they realize there's no place of worship. There's, there's, there's so many Romans that are dwelling here. There's so many occupied by so much that there's not even enough men to gather and, and create a place of worship. So what they find is this, this place along a river uh, where these women are gathering for prayer. And worship So he goes and, and meets them there, and sits down and, and begins to share, uh, and I'm sure shares the gospel, shares uh, the truth of what he knows of believing in Jesus. And amongst this group of, of, of women is Lydia. It says, "A worshiper of God, but I believe probably not yet come into, come to a full belief and understanding of what Jesus had done for her. And so, amongst this group of women, Lydia, this this woman who is seems to be probably fairly wealthy, living in Philippi at this time, but also being from Thyatira, possibly having two different homes, so being able to live at both places at different times, depending on when the market's right for this, the selling the cloth. Uh, but she's she's there, and her heart is opened, and she believes. She's baptized, and I believe what we see immediately is an outward expression of the inward transformation that happened in Lydia's life. She says, come, I want to serve you and your companions by inviting you into my home and being with us. And so she invites them in, and they go, and they spend uh, uh, time in her home, and that's where they spend, they're there in Philippi. So Lydia, the first conversion we see in this chapter 16. Let's continue reading. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a, who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the f- future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in, is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. So Paul and Silas and his companions are going back and forth to the riverbed each day to worship and talk and, and, and have conversation. And, and this slave girl, this demon-possessed slave girl, begins to follow them. But not just follow them, she's promoting them, it would seem, and saying these men are coming. They serve the Most High God and are coming to teach you how to be saved. And, and, and upon first reading this, we might be thinking, well, why is this bad? Why is it wrong for this girl to be promoting? And and she's telling truth, isn't she? She's saying what they're actually doing. That's why they're here. They're, they're, they serve the Most High God, and they're they're telling people how to be saved. Uh, but I believe here's where Paul is able to see beyond the surface, recognize there's something more and greater going on in here here than what the surface level would show us. Derek Thomas, uh, in his commentary in, in Acts of Acts, uh, says this about the slave girl. And I think it's profound and we need to take it to heart. Satan will declare a hundred things that are true in order to dupe you with a hundred and first thing that is not. Satan will declare a hundred things that are true in order to dupe you with a hundred and first thing that is not. Is it possible that the demon was using this girl, speaking truth in a way to deceive the people that came and then trick them into falling into something else? And Paul was able to see this, and he's angered by it. He's, not, he's like, I'm not going to let this happen anymore. And he casts the demon out. In the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus, that instantly the girl was freed of the demon. Freed of the captivity of not only the demon, but also the masters. She had double bondage going on in this situation, and she was then all of a sudden freed from those things. The masters realized the hope of wealth was, was gone, so they get angry, of course, Because their money had disappeared, you may may read this and think, "Well, is the girl actually saved?" There's no evidence immediately that she's baptized like the, the businesswoman. There's no, uh, there's no evidence that she's like, saying that she trusts or believes. But uh, upon reading the passage and knowing the context of where it lays in, in chapter 16 and, and commentaries and theologians, uh, many people would agree that, agree that based upon what we know what Paul's writing here is is a pretty good chance that she was saved in this moment. Uh, and, and evidence to that may be uh, that there was no longer room in her heart for the demon to come back in and take over. The Holy Spirit had had, had flooded her in some way, and she was, was set free. and And there's no more opportunity uh, for her to be taken over by the demon. And so the masters know that they see this evidence of her life being changed, and they're angry. And so that may give maybe give us enough, enough information, enough evidence to say. There was a life change that occurred. There was an inward transformation that caused outward expression of that faith. We see in these first two conversions uh, the businesswoman and and the slave girl. Two very different individuals. Uh, The businesswoman, uh, upper class, wealthy, uh, pretty well off it would seem, uh, the slave girl, lower class uh, in bondage, slave, uh, but we see here the same grace, the same power of God used to to free them to provide salvation, and the beauty in knowing that the same grace that saves both of them is the same grace that provides freedom for us as well. We continue to read and we see the third. Uh, individual, the jailer, verse 22, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. I just want to pause here and ask and challenge us as as a church. What are we willing to suffer for the gospel? What are we willing to do and and experience and and put ourselves through in order to share the gospel with others? Are we willing to be mocked or ridiculed or made fun of? Are we willing to lose friends or lose finances? We see throughout all of Acts that Paul and the apostles and individuals were willing to suffer in order that the gospel be shared to all. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, being able to find the joy of the Lord even amongst this horrible situation they're in. The other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. The prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open. The chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see that the prison doors were wide open. He assumed that the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. They they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that very hour of the night, the jailer cared for them, washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. And he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God, we see in this in this situation where Paul and Silas in jail. Uh, the jailer would seem to be uh, maybe angry and bitter, so much so that he treats Paul and Silas maybe a little worse than he was supposed to. But being a Roman and and maybe being in military all his life, he was like he's gonna make sure that they're not gonna get free. And and so as a result of just kind of all this build-up stuff that was inside him, he he shackles them and puts them in a dungeon. And and there's this earthquake that happens, this this power of a God moment where the earthquake just kind of shook the walls and the gates open, the the shackles fall off. And and the prisoners could have probably went free, but they don't. Not sure why. They they all choose to stay. Uh, Maybe they were all moved by what Paul and Silas were seeing and and what they were, were saying but the jailer, in a moment of like hopelessness and feeling like all is lost, because he knew he knew as soon as he saw the doors were open, that if the prisoners had been, had gone and were, 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 were away, that his life was at risk. He was responsible for these these prisoners, and if they had fled, he, he would die. So he felt there was no other option but to take his own life, because and, and, was, it, it was it, it was hopeless. And Paul being able to see through all of this, see the jailer for who he really was, says, stop, don't do it. We're here, we're here. Jailer moved to, to understanding that they didn't flee, it comes to them and says, the, asked the, the, this familiar question, this, this specific question, what must I do to be saved? Paul Simply puts, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. I find it in- interesting here, isn't it, that Paul doesn't come up with a whole list of expectations and qualifications and to- do's and don'ts. He doesn't say join a certain church or covenant community, go through all these boundary markers and then, well then maybe you, you can qualify or be in. Uh, don't, he doesn't give a whole list of do's and don'ts and, uh, and you got to do this or you got to do this. No, he says just Believe. Believe. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Believe that he has saved you and you will be saved. Seems here that we have three unique situations. Three different individuals, all coming from different places in life, dealing with different things. All being saved by the same grace of Jesus Christ. All experiencing God in a way that they were driven to believe. We see in the jailer an outward expression of the inward transformation. He serves them, right? He cleans them. He he dresses their wounds. He gives them a meal, and he takes care of them. Uh, His life has been changed uh, eternally because of the love of Jesus that's been poured out upon him. The question this morning that I have for you is, who do you identify with? Which one of these three individuals do you most identify with? Maybe there's a past experience. Maybe it was before you were a follower of Jesus and you were living a life uh, like one of these individuals. And you had a personal experience where God came into your life, flooded into you, and, and through his power that he called your name out of that darkness and he gave, set you free from whatever it is that was going on in your life. Or maybe you sit here this morning and you find yourself right now currently identifying with one of these individuals. Or you, you find yourself uh, that just caught up in one of these things. It could be the businesswoman uh, who you're religious and morally upright and good and you believe that there's a God. But, but not yet have given your life fully over to, to his authority and to his, to his person. And you, you are feeling good about life, but uh, you're being tugged a little bit by uh, the Holy Spirit. Maybe you identify with a slave girl uh, who uh, there's addictions and there's, there's things that have caught you and, and consumed you, uh, and your life is in some ways have been given over to depravity and captivity, and you just like, feel like it's, you just can't get out of it. And you need the love of Jesus, the power of God to come in and take you out of that. Uh, so maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're identifying with a slave girl. Maybe you're the, you identify with a jailer. The jailer is one who has a, 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 kind of a hard background, a tough life, and there's been some bitterness and some anger. There's this, all this junk that's kind of in, his, in, in your life, and there's some violence, and, and, and you feel like you kind of just got to treat people negatively because of how you've been treated through the, in the past. May you're at a point of hopelessness and feeling like there's no other option and just, I, I don't know what to do and I just want to give up. Wherever you find yourself this morning, may it's a mix of all three because uh, it very well likely could have pieces of all. Know that the love of Jesus is for you and there's salvation that's freely given to you if you believe. A few weeks ago, uh, I got a phone call from Blacks County Children and Youth. Uh, it was a phone call I typically don't expect getting, uh, but I got a call and it was from a, a, a former student who's currently 17 years old. He came out in middle school quite a bit, uh, had been arrested and was in a detention center, and, and he was requesting that I come and visit him as, as his pastor. Uh, I hadn't talked to him probably for two years or so, so I wasn't sure was that. I knew he had, was making some uh, some cho- life choices that probably weren't the best, but. Uh, was unsure so made an appointment went and visited this young man and uh, and and had some really good conversations about the importance of believing in 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 God Uh, his desire there's there was a moment during his some some uh, some of his life's journey recently where he felt that God met him in a very personal way at a very low moment and based because of that that situation, he was starting to realize, hey, I need to change my life. I need to do things differently, and I need to ask some questions. So he was calling me because he knew me as a pastor, and said, "Hey, can I can we talk?" Uh, he was asking about baptism. He was asking about uh, different things, and I was challenging him on his belief and and, who, and what where he's put in his his trust. Uh, But the conversation isn't over yet. Uh, He was moved to a different uh, facility, so I haven't gotten to talk to him for a few weeks. But my goal is to continue that conversation when I get to reconnect with him. Uh, And so the Lord is working with this in this young man's heart. Met him at a very dark and a a very uncommon place. I think we would we would think, uh, but was willing to go to that dark place and, and meet him. If you're here this morning and, and, and you're, you're getting tugged in some way, or you, you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're asking that question, what do I need to do to be saved? And, and I'm here to tell you this morning, all it is is belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we say believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we simply mean that you believe that Jesus was born, lived his life here on earth, was willing to go to the cross, take upon the cross our sin, our ugliness, our brokenness, and, and die for us. He was the perfect sacrifice. He, Jesus was the only one that could do it for us. And in doing so, he calls us out of the grave. He gives us freedom. And he died and, and three days later rose again and conquered death for us, giving us all the opportunity to have a path back to relationship with God. And we then now can have relationship with God and, and one day be in heaven with him. And so when we say believe, we say you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the one who has forgiven you of the sin that you've committed. We're all sinners. We all have fallen short. and We all are in need of that salvation. Will you pray with me? Father, We gather here this morning uh, again and we're grateful for it. Lord, right now I I pray specifically for anyone in this room who is is questioning and wondering uh, what do I need to do. Holy Spirit, move in their hearts right now and, and, and give them the ability to put their faith and trust in you, to believe that you are their Lord and Savior and in doing so, perform an inward transformation in their hearts that would then be shown in an outward demonstration of some sorts. God, just I call out them in right, right now and ask that you would just change their hearts. God, also be with the individuals here who who are are, are followers of you, but are are kind of just living day to day and haven't yet uh, taking that step to really share the gospel and really speak into the lives of others. And may we as, as followers be willing to suffer for the cause and, and to do what it takes, just like Paul in, in the Bible was willing to suffer and go to jail and, and, and do whatever it took to, to speak into the lives of others. May we as individuals be willing to do that as well. And, and in doing so, call people out of the grave. And give them the ability to be set free from the bondage, from the darkness, from the captivity, from all the ugly that the world wants to keep them in. God, you are good. We love you. We're grateful for the freedom and, 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 and what you've done through Jesus Christ on the cross. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to close with a couple of songs. The first one we sing is Reckless Love. And this, this song is, is really based upon this idea that Jesus recklessly loves us so much that he would leave the 99 and pursue us, the one who's fled. We've all been that one who have walked away at times. And, and, and we, are, we know that we, based upon scripture, based upon what we know that God does for us, that he comes after us. And he's pursuing you. He's, he loves you so much, he comes after you. So uh, during this song and then the final song, uh, if you uh, are feeling led to need prayer or want to talk to someone, the prayer team's going to be front, up front, feel free to come front. If it's a little scary to come to the front, I'm sure someone beside you would talk to you as well. Uh, don't hesitate to ask the question, what must I be to do to be saved? Don't hesitate to say, I believe.